Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Faith by Pastor Sean Wood. This morning I want to talk about probably one of the most important subjects in the Bible, which is faith. If you allow me a little bit of license for a moment, imagine somebody, if, we could, if I could pose to you a hypothesis, imagine for a moment that uh, somebody picks up the Bible, never read the Bible, never heard of religion, never been or encountered Christianity in any way, shape or form, seeks to know about God and how to respond to God. And uh, as you're making your way, starting in Genesis, by the way, all the way through to Revelation, you're going to begin to make a series of observations. You might begin to highlight words and, and so forth. And one of the observations you would make very quickly is how important faith is as you are making your way through the Bible. And so this morning, uh, as we uh, unpack God's word, I believe faith uh, is enormously important and the operation of faith in the life of the believer. Uh, I'm very fortunate uh, in, in one respect, evangelism for me is very, very easy here in Australia. I'll tell you why. Uh, most people I meet, whether I'm at the gym or whatever, most people I meet go, hey, how are you? Uh, what do you do with yourself? <laughs> easy. I'm a pastor. Now, that usually ends in one of two ways. It either ends in, okay, thank you, uh, or uh, it ends with, oh, that's interesting. Uh, Here's the next question they ask. How did you get into that? (laughs) Well, it started with some faith in this person called Jesus Christ. Let me explain what that looks like. So evangelism for me is very easy. Uh, The icebreakers are very easy, but I have found a commonality amongst uh, everybody that I speak to. Uh, I have found that most people, one, are very open to a spiritual conversation. I've actually, increasingly through COVID, that interest has increased, uh, I have found. The other thing I found is nearly everybody will admit to, uh, most people will admit to or profess a belief in God. They go, yes, I have faith, which is very, very interesting. Uh, And as I was researching uh, for today, uh, I stumbled upon, I'm going to get to some Australian figures in a moment, which might kind of startle us a little bit. But I was interested in a, a survey that was done in America. Uh, in 1947, uh, a survey was conducted by a group of analysts, and they asked a series of questions regarding both religion and faith and Christianity. And uh, amongst a lot of other questions, two stuck out to me. First one was, uh, did they profess a belief in God? In 1947, uh, it was estimated that 93% of Americans professed faith in a God. I need to kind of confirm that. Uh, Aside from that, interestingly enough, 41% said that they regularly attended church, which I thought was interesting. Fast forward 50 years, and one of those figures changed, and not how you might think, but it was what the analyst commented on afterwards that I found enormously important. Uh, He says, you know what, fast forward 50 years, same group of researchers asked the same questions across the same demographic of people and they found that nothing changed. All the statistics were the same except for the question of those that profess faith in God. Instead of 93%, 96% said, we profess a belief in a God, which was interesting. But the comment from the analyst was, although we see a slight increase in those who profess faith in Christ, we are alarmed at the weakened content of that faith. Statistics will not record that although people say they believe in God, it doesn't, basically they were saying it doesn't transact in their life. It's very interesting. Uh, Here in Australia, one of the recent McCrindle 
uh, researchers, you can find these statistics online if you like, found that two in three Australians uh, identify with either religion or spirituality. Before you get excited, uh, what some people term as religion or spirituality may frighten you, uh, but even in church circles, by the way. But out of that, uh, 45% of Australians identified with being Christian. This was a uh, McCrindle research done in 2016. 45% of Australians identified as Christian, which I thought was interesting. Uh, Of that, 45%, 15% said they attended church regularly and regularly was once a month. Of those 45%, 7% said that church was a fervent commitment in their life, which is interesting. Uh, what I also found interesting was that amongst the 32% of Australians that said they affiliated with no religion, uh, of those 32%, 49% of them said it was because they preferred a science or evidence-based sp- uh, approach, which I thought was interesting. Because if you really have a look at the evidence surrounding things like evolution, uh, there's not a whole lot of evidence there. But it was what they said also, um, uh, the 32% that said they did not identify with uh, religion in any way, and some of those that said they did identify with spirituality said that the key ingredient for them to investigate spiritual matters was to be able to observe genuine faith in the life of somebody else, which I thought was alarming. What may alarm you is that 29% of Australians, 29% of Australians will say, I've never heard of Jesus. That alarmed me. Which is interesting. What I see is a challenge that is before us. Uh, Those said we would investigate spirituality, said it was a genuine faith. Uh, uh, The second place one was a personal trauma or a life change. And for those that were here last week, we, we do aim and we do pray and we do seek to meet people in that space of uh, serious life trauma and life change because we know it's a pivotal moment when people are searching for God. And as I've alluded to a few times, uh, many people would say that the church in the West is shrinking. And I loved Martin Niles' answer to this because he, alongside of a group of about three or four other people, I appreciate Martin Niles, Australian Christian Lobby, for those that are interested. Uh, Great voice. He's God's man in that space right now. And... Martin Isle said, instead of the word shrinking, he said, I prefer to use the word refining. And I love that, I love that example because uh, what Martin Isle went on to say was, he, he says, in refining, although we may see smaller numbers, uh, the church at large is stronger because God is doing a very profound and deep work in his church. I've, I've personally believed that for the last few years, that God is really doing an amazing work in his church. And although that may transact to seeing few people sitting in seats, fewer people sitting in seats, uh, it's a wonderful work. Uh, when God is refining his church, just so as a digression this morning, when God seeks to refine his church, he turns the heat up. When you want to refine gold, you turn the heat up. Uh, God begins to turn his heat up on those little pet sins that you've got sitting in the back closet that nobody knows about. He he, he begins to turn the heat up. He he begins to turn the heat up on those attitudes and those motivations. He begins to turn the heat up. And he does that in many ways. Of course, he confronts us with his word and the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. But when God turns the heat up, it's so that the impurities will rise to the surface and they can be skimmed off the top, just as we do with God. 
I hold great hope for the Church of Jesus Christ in Australia. I hold great hope simply because of the one who's in charge. History will tell us, if you, I'm not a great church historian, but history will tell us that every time God has moved in power through his church in a land, he has refined her first. This morning I want to talk about faith because I think faith is enormously important and I also believe that there has been much confusion that has centred around the operation of faith in the believer. So I want to be very direct this morning and make no apologies about outlining what is faith. Three questions I'd like to answer this morning as we make our way through. Uh, Question number one I will answer is what is faith? I'll do my best to answer that question. Second question will be why is it so important? Why is faith so important? Why does God not just come down and show every, himself to everybody? Why is faith so important? And the last one is, what should our response to faith, in faith to God, look like? What should that look like for us? And, and I'll take an example out of Hebrews 11. If you've met me in Hebrews 11, a little bit of context, we don't know the author of the book of Hebrews. It, very, it sounds very Pauline, but it doesn't seem possible that he possibly could have writ, uh, wrote this book. Uh, I wish the translators had pushed the boundaries of chapter 11 back a few verses because verse 39 is enormously important to everything that happens inside of chapter 11. We know that chapter 11 of Hebrews is the faith chapter and verse 39... Uh, the writer says, but we are not of those who shrink back. We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Faith is used 24 times in chapter 11 of Hebrews, and the primary idea every single time is of a faithfulness and a trustworthiness. It is best described in the middle of the chapter when we are reading about the heroes of faith. It is best described like this. Those having died in faith. Uh, My prayer, my hope, although this may sound sound a little bit morbid this morning, I pray that every one of our headstones reads, died in faith. My question as we move our way forward is, will your headstone say that? Because often we, uh, we, we believe that faith is a, a once in a moment flary thing that happens and it's a big bang, and, but it's actually about a consistent present tense walk with God in the each and every day. Often we think that faith is something that we kind of conjure up. It's kind of a force or an aura by which we can uh, change all the circumstances in our lives to suit us. When in fact, faith is what carries us through the storms of life. Faith is man's response to what God has said. And and although the writer here is going to give us about a 14-word attempt at a description, faith is a lot like love, as the writer to Hebrews will tell us. It is best defined and described as we see it in action in somebody's life. And so he takes the examples of the heroes of faith. But, But let's work our way briefly through the description that is given to us here. Now, faith is the assurance. Faith is the assurance or it is the solid and unshakable confidence in God. It is a solid and unshakable confidence in God. Recent events have certainly shaken some people's faith. COVID and so forth has certainly shaken the foundations of some people's faith, but it's an unshakable confidence in God of things hoped for, of the things that we set our hope on. It is the conviction of things not seen. It is the certainty that word conviction means that it is by which invisible things are proved and we are convinced 
of their reality. A little bit more about that in a moment, but faith is an unshakable confidence in God. We could describe faith in ways like faith is man's response to what God has said. Faith is learning to live by insight rather than sight. Faith is not blind. I want to make that clear this morning before we go any further. Faith is not a blind uh, leap in the dark without any basis on evidence. That is superstition. Faith is uh, moving forward upon strong convictions and according to evidence. And we will, uh, as time goes on, we will unpack what is the evidence for the existence of God? What is the evidence? Not today, but in other scenarios. We have done in the past and we will do again. There is enormous evidence for the existence of God. There is enormous evidence for the existence of the biblical God. There is enormous evidence surrounding the person of Jesus Christ as the divine son of the almighty God. And there is Uh, resounding evidence uh, that he rose from the dead and the tomb is still empty. History, uh, many people have embarked on a journey to disprove Christianity and many of those that have done so have placed their faith in the person of Jesus Christ because the evidence is overwhelming. Faith is not blind and it is not unreasonable or unrational. I love how John G. Patton defined faith. Uh, For those who don't know who John G. Patton is, you should learn who who John G. Patton is. John G. Patton was uh, Scotland's uh, missionary to the New Hebrides, it was then, but it's now what we understand as Vanuatu. Uh, He took his wife over to the then New Hebrides, and before he left, everyone said, you're mad, they will eat you when you get there. And they had good reason to suspect that because previous missionaries had suffered such a fate. But John G. Patton said, I've been called of God to take the gospel to the New Hebrides and him and his wife pack up and go and they they arrive there and you can read his uh, biography. John Piper does a wonderful biography in John G. Patton. But John G. Patton was a very smart man. He he, he soon realised when he got there, nothing's changed today, he soon realised when he got there that if he wanted to impact the tribe with the gospel, I need to convert the chief. (laughs) Very smart man. First convert he has is the chief and the gospel sweeps through the New Hebrides. Uh, Here's a man, uh, after the chief was converted, uh, the chief said, hey, you know what, uh, we, we see you and we see your wife, but where's the army that landed with you? And John's, what are you talking about? He says, well, no, you don't understand. One night me and the village came up here to kill you and the place was surrounded by an army. And he says, I'm here on my own. And after uh, many, many years, John G. Patton worked tirelessly to translate the Bible into their language, but he struggled with the word faith. He struggled to find a word in their language that best described faith. And, and one day he's working in his hut and, and one of the servants came running up into the hut. He'd been on a long, exhaustive hunting trip and he runs into the hut and he flops on the chair and he says to John G. Patton, he says, oh, what a joy it is to rest my whole weight on this chair. John G. Patton says, I have my word for faith. And faith can be best described as trusting and entrusting the whole of your life upon the hands of God. This is not a one-time thing. This is not repeat these three sentences after me. Faith is something that is about the everyday of our lives. As we go further on, I have a question. Does faith impact, how does your faith impact your daily life? Uh, And how, we'll come to these questions at the end, how does your faith impact those around you? 
Faith is, you might be sitting here this morning going, okay, but how do I get faith? And I'll give you a quick, quick description. Uh, faith is intellectual. It is a positive recognition of truth. Faith is emotional. It is a deep conviction of truth. And faith is volitional, relating and regarding to the changing of our will, surrendering to that truth. Uh, for those uh, who are wondering, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so uh, faith is a recognition of truth. Faith is gaining knowledge. It is reading his word, reading books, listening to sermons surrounding the word of God. And, and, and here's the number one question I get asked as pastor when people come into my office. I've got all this information in here, pastor. How do I get the information from here to my heart? How do I make that transaction? How does the penny drop from here to here? Well, the Bible tells us. How does it become an emotional conviction in my life? How does all this knowledge become a deep-seated conviction? Because conviction moves us. If you're convicted about something, you will move. If if I could convict you this morning that this place is about to flood, you would be looking for somewhere to get out of here. It will move you. How does that happen? Well, the Bible tells us it's by a process called meditation. And often when we use that word, we think Eastern meditation, which is crossing your legs and trying to float in the air. But the, 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 the idea behind Eastern meditation is all about emptying yourself. But biblical meditation is all about filling yourself. It's about contemplating the truth of God. It's about thinking about the word of God. It's about asking the Holy Spirit and, and surrendering yourself to the Holy Spirit to take that word and make it personal to you. Uh, the Hebrew word for meditate means to mutter. You have permission to talk to yourself. You don't have permission to answer yourself. That's only reserved for pastors. It's about talking about the word of God. How does this work in my life? What did Jesus mean when he says that? When Jesus said the bread of life, what did he mean by that? Well, what does bread look like? Well, bread feeds, it nourishes. What's Jesus saying? I am the spiritual nourishment of this world. And so it goes on. So we've had a brief moment. Uh, The writer goes on in verse 3, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. If you are an atheist this morning, welcome to church, but if you're an atheist this morning, uh, I need you to answer me a question. How does something come from nothing? Uh, By faith I understand that God spoke the universe into existence. By faith we live under the conviction that God spoke the universe into existence. We now begin the roll call of the heroes of faith. And we're going to ask ourselves the question, why is faith so important? Let's go through a couple of those this morning. Verse 4, by faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice, by faith, uh, than Cain through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him, great words, by accepting his gifts and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Verse 5, by faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as one having pleased God. I find it profound that there is the possibility that any of us could do anything that would please God anyway. But verse 6 makes it clear. Verse 6, and without faith, or apart from faith, aside from faith, it is impossible, impossible to please him, God. How many people here would like to live a life that is pleasing to God. I know that I would. You've just been given the answer. 
by faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God. Anybody want to draw near to God this morning? For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. I'll sneak into verse 7 because it has a bit of context to today. By faith, Noah. (laughs) I bet you he's sitting up there going, what are you guys worried about? (laughs) Boat for lease. By faith, Noah being warned of God. What we find in Enoch and Noah, which I love, uh, both will be termed as men who walked with God. Uh, And when you look at both Enoch and Noah, they chose to walk with God. They chose to go against the current. They chose to live a life for God despite the sinful uh, and corrupt world that surrounded them. But why is faith so important? Faith is so important because many of us in this room are held back from our full potential and living a closer, more intimate relationship with God because of our hindrance when it comes to faith. Let me try and explain for a moment. Uh, Even in our physical relationships, uh, the intimacy can only be increased as trust is increased. The more we trust God, the more we lean on God, the more we place our life in his hands, the greater that intimacy grows. And and for the married couples, when we get to our marriage stuff, you'll understand that uh, intimacy and communication run side by side to be able to increase those. So if you're thinking of getting married, you need to learn to communicate. But trust is vital for a close, personal, intimate relationship. Truth, truth, uh, tr- truth sorry, is essential to trust. And uh, most people here will know that I am a uh, wildlife documentary buff. And for our African kale eaters amongst us will know what I'm about to talk about. I was going to say that you guys weren't meant to be here this morning, so I kind of slipped that in anyway. But... Uh, Uh, Watching documentaries, we've all seen the documentaries of the lions and stuff chasing, uh, but uh, the African impala amazes me. Uh, they are about this high. They're only, a, two, they only stand two or three feet, uh, um, which is important in a moment. Uh, but they can leap 10 feet in the air. An African impala can jump 10 feet in the air. Like, how, do the, how does the lion grab these guys, right? They can jump 10 feet in the air and they can cover a distance of 30 feet. That's, God, you are amazing. I mean, how does that come about by accident for a start? But here's what I found amazing. You have an African impala that stands almost three feet tall and can jump 10 feet in the air and can cover 30 feet, but you will go to a zoo and find them kept behind a three-foot wall. That's amazing. How do you keep an impala behind a three-foot wall? It's easy. An impala will not jump anywhere. It cannot see where its feet will land. So as long as that wall is solid and it cannot see through the wall, it won't jump. And the enemy has got many, many African impalas stuck behind a three-foot wall, not realising that you have all the potential to jump. But we're waiting for God to tell us where our feet are. I've got to see the whole path, God. I've got to see everything before I move. I'm not moving until you tell me everything. that's, That's not how faith works. God says, I've given you the potential, jump. But like the African impala, we're, we're kept behind three-foot walls. I picture these guys in Hebrews 11 are sitting up there, just like we're amazed at this impala. We're like, what is keeping you guys from jumping the fence? Uh, the, the deer parks in Tasmania had fences that were like eight to nine feet tall and still couldn't keep them in sometimes. I've seen a deer from a standing start. We, we startled a deer when we were going in the forestry. And from a standing start, it had to jump 
uphill over a fence. He had to jump higher than me from a ceiling. He just went boom, straight over the fence. And we can keep these things in a three foot wall. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Many of us are held back from an intimate relationship with God because we're waiting to see everything before we move. If we are to draw near to God, then faith is essential. Trusting God is essential. Uh, If we will draw near to God, they must believe that he exists. This is what I love about the heroes of faith. Where are the heroes of faith today? Where are our heroes of faith today? Where are the guys that will stand up and say, you know what, I'm going to live for God despite the consequences. That's what faith is. Faith is I will stand for God no matter how much it costs me. I will stand for God and I will stand for his truth. Where are the heroes that will do that today? Where, If you read the list here, you will read a list of people that were just as sinful and messed up as everybody else in this room. They made as many mistakes as we do. They had some weird and wacky ideas like we all do, but God used them powerfully. Why? Because they surrendered to him in faith. And they were convinced of the existence of God and they pulled the reality of heaven to bear here on earth. Because they dared to believe God. They dared to walk out on that limb for God. They dared to jump that wall and press in closer to God. Listen to how the writer finishes this verse. Verse 6 again. And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists. And he rewards those that diligently seek him. Uh, The term seek him there means to exert some effort. It means to forsake or deny or to go out of ourselves and take God alone as our ruler. It means to be single-hearted and single-minded in our pursuit of God. When was the last time we sought God like that? When was the last time when we said, I don't care what it costs me. I don't care how early I have to get up. I don't care what everybody else thinks of me. I will seek God. When was the last time we did that? I would urge us all to live such a life of faith. Why is faith so important? Because if you want to live close to God, it is impossible to please him and it's impossible to draw near to him unless you are convinced of the reality and you will live your life based on that. I want to take you the example of one of these dudes. Because I'm reading the book of Exodus, he has become one of my most favourite dudes, uh, and that is Moses. And I love how he is described. Uh, There is a lesson for us here in the West when we read about Moses. Verse 23. Moses' parents even get a mention. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful. That's what my parents said. Isn't that child beautiful? No, it's not. That's not what they said. (laughs) And they were not afraid of the king's edict. Verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused, underline that word, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Verse 25, choosing, underline that word, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. What does our response look like? What does it look like for us to respond to God? What should we do? I want to tell you right now, as we read about the heroes of faith, if you look down through church history and you're wondering to yourself, what is the one thing that separates me from all these people that God has used so powerfully? What separates me from the Wigglesworth? What separates me from the Wesleys? What separates me from the Finneys? What separates me from the Luthers? What separates me from the Augustines? What separates me from these guys? All different guys. 
I have certainly some questions to ask John Calvin, but I have an appreciation. He was a man that was kicked out of France and told never to come back. And when they did invite him back, he picked up from the exact verse he left off. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Let's keep going from where we were. Where have those people gone? And what is it that separates us? There's one thing. Were they more holy than us? No. Often we think that holiness is the way to Christ, but Christ is the way to holiness. Was it that they were more? If you read the account of the Bible, these guys were messed up. Moses argued with God for ages. Send somebody else. But yet God used him powerfully. There's one thing that they did and there's one thing you can do today that will transform your walk with God. Finish verse 26 and then we'll come back. He considered the reproach of Christ. It's interesting. 1,500 years before Christ was born, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt for he was looking to the reward. And and I love that. Uh, I, I don't know, anybody else here ever seen the movie Apollo 13 with Tom Hanks? Maybe you've seen that movie. Maybe you can remember. I'm only going off vague memory. I haven't seen it recently. But I can remember a scene towards the end of the movie where Tom Hanks is in the backyard. They've been to the moon and they've come back. He's in the backyard. He's got his thumb up in the air like that. He's looking at the moon. His wife walks out. And he says, you know what the defining thing was that meant that we could land on the moon? And, of course, you can see that she's waiting for some great mathematical analogy. You know, oh, yeah, it was all the thrust, boom, cheek. No, no, he says, no, 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 no. He says, we just decided to go. You know what the difference between Moses and possibly many of us sitting in this room this morning? I'll tell you what the difference between Moses and me is. I don't know about you guys because you guys are all full of faith and holy, but I'll tell you what the difference between Moses and me is. He chose. He made a choice. And if you read the life of Moses, you'll find that his life was filled with challenges. It wasn't all a bed of roses after that, but he just made a choice. What was that choice? He chose to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. I've got some really good news for you this morning. If you decide you're going to take a stand of faith and you want to live a life close to God, you're about to be mistreated. And you should not find it surprising when the parliament try to, when they try to bring through bills. You should not find it surprising that your workmates treat you different to everybody else. You should not find that surprising. You should not find it surprising that there are social groups here in Australia that don't like us. You want to know why? Because they hated Christ first. So for those that were looking for good news this morning, you're welcome. <laughs> These guys laid hold of the reality of heaven and they brought it to bear here on earth and that is an opportunity that rests before each and every one of us but there is the choice of faith. There is the choice that says, you know what, uh, not only do I say God exists, not only do I say I love God, and we sing all the songs, don't we? We love you, Lord, but what does that look like in our lives? When you're, uh, when you're not in church, how often do you talk about him? If you love something, you'll talk about it. If you love somebody, you'll talk about them. They just fill your speech. They fill your thoughts. They... I, I think this, how do we arrive at that place? I, I love Moses here in verse 26. Listen to the description here. You, there's, there's, a, there's, there's a month of sermons in these verses, but he considered the reproach of Christ. You know what? He says, it's more valuable for me to align myself and be mistreated along with Israel than to sit in the palace and be pampered. 
he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth. What's the defining thing for, for Moses? You know what? He valued God more than the world. There is a world that is waiting to see genuine faith in each and every one of us. We live in a world right now that are looking for answers. That's what I wrote about this morning. They're looking for answers. They're realising COVID and all the events that are around the globe right now, everybody's just realising a heartbeat. You know what? Our politicians don't have the answers. Science doesn't have the answers. Apparently science can't even tell us where the virus came from. Science doesn't have the answers. Medicine didn't have all the answers. God has all the answers. And in a world of uncertainty, people are looking for unshakable people. Is it a coincidence? If you can afford me, I'll cop the emails later. Is it a, is it a coincidence that here in the West we get some rain and the church is half empty? But over in the Philippines, it can rain for six months and you can't get them out of there. Just an observation. As we come to a conclusion, I'd like to re-ask some questions this morning. And I'm wondering if we can ponder these. How does your faith impact your daily life? How does your faith impact how you prepare your tax return? How does, how does your faith impact how you treat others around you? How does your faith impact the way you run your business? How does your faith impact the decisions you make about what you're going to do on Sunday morning when you wake up? Pastor just slipped that one in the back door. Here's the next question as we're pondering. How does your faith impact those around you? Ask yourself this question this morning. If you were in a court of law today, right now, charged with being a Christian, is there enough evidence to convict you? Finish this sentence for me if you can today. If you read through the account of Hebrews 11, you're going to hear these words, by faith. By faith, Ross. How does that end? By faith, Liz. Got rid of all the cats. By faith, John. By faith, Jacqueline. By faith, Anna. What does that look like after that? Can I read you the closing verses? I think this is a great epilogue. Verse 32. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel. David was one messed up dude. Hey? He was a man that was said to have a heart after God, but sent a guy into battle to kill him so he could have his wife. He's <laughs> messed up. Of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, Russia, enforced justice. How many people here would like to see some justice enforced this morning? Obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, Daniel, quenched the power of fire, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. 
quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so they might rise again to a better life. We're talking some heroes now. Verse 36, others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, a little bit different than today, of course. They were sawn in two, which is a reference to Isaiah the prophet, who was shoved inside of a hollow tree trunk and they cut it in half. Good morning. They were sawn in two, they were killed with a sword, they went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom, this writer says, the world was not worthy. Wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us. Let us pray. Father, I pray for each and every one of us in this room that we would value you above anything or everything in this world. Father, as we look outside the windows this morning, one thing is certain, rain will always come and the storms of life will always come. I pray for every single person that calls the Rock Christian Church home. I pray for everybody that is both present and not able to be here today. And I pray this one thing, Lord, may we all die in faith. May we all run our race. May we all persevere to the end. May we never shrink back. Lord, let us have eyes to see your greater measures of your glory, we pray. In your wonderful name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.